It's the first Monday of the month, and we're responding to your questions. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 468. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. Once a month, we open up the show to respond to your questions. If you have a question you'd like us to consider for one of the future Q&A episodes, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. I'm joined as I am most months here by Bonnie Stahoviak, who's going to help us tackle some questions. In addition to being my life partner, she's also the host of the Teaching and Higher Ed podcast. And Bonnie, uh, you also oversee online learning at your university. So basically, you've had nothing to do last couple no, no, weeks, it's right? Been, well, I have lost all track of time. So I was thinking about the last time we recorded was about 16 years ago. So it's been a while since I've seen you and recorded a Q&A episode. Yeah, it's nice to see you. It's Groundhog Day over and over because things look the same and yet contextually change around us or not, depending on the day. So here we are. And all of our questions today are related to the pandemic, which I'm sure will be of no surprise. We are all navigating a lot of change. So let's dive right in and see if we can be helpful on responding to a few of these questions and hopefully giving you some starting points on what might be a first step of new ways to think about some of these. And our first question came in from Matt. Matt writes, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, we find ourselves living in unprecedented times. We also, by the way, Dave, this is not part of his question, but we also use the word unprecedented, at least I do, (laughs) way more than I ever did before. (laughs) Leaders are being tested, strained, and forged at every level of society. I was recently encouraged as a leader within my job to stay calm and collected in the midst of difficult times, especially in front of the team. I understand and agree that people look up to and are willing to follow individuals with conviction, who have a plan, who can articulate a vision, who are consistent in how they operate. However, my question is, when is it okay to show the opposite of calm and collected? When, as a leader, is it okay to express frustration, maybe even anger or outrage, to let people know that you don't think things are okay and that maybe even you aren't feeling okay? Matt, thank you so much for this question. I'm really curious what Bonnie thinks on this as well. Two things come to mind on the question of when do you decide to express emotion or maybe express emotion because you're not deciding, but you're just reacting. The first thought is, are you in control of your emotions? And all of us are not in control of our emotions, at least some of the time. Something happens we're not expecting in the midst of this crisis, we're all dealing with, all of a sudden there's another variable that comes up or changes or has changed for the fourth time in the last 72 hours, and we're just done with it. And it's maddening and it's difficult, and we need to vent or hide away or get angry. And that is the reality of being a human being, handling a lot of struggle. And so I think the checkpoint for us first is, are we in control of our own emotions? And if we're not in those moments, I think that's a time to pause and to think about things for a bit. Maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's overnight. Because I don't think most of us make very good decisions when we are just reacting to our emotions. 
that said, our emotions are really valuable, and there are absolutely times that I think that it's really helpful to express those emotions. So that brings me to the second thought, Matt, is is expressing the emotion, the frustration, the anger likely to be helpful to others right now and helpful to the situation? And I do find myself often in my better moments of asking myself that if I expressed anger about this situation or if I expressed frustration about this other person who's driving me nuts (laughs) or about the situation as a whole, is that going to likely help make the situation better for everyone? Sometimes, yes, it is. And it's helpful for people to see that real human frustration, anger, sadness. We had a conversation this week in our academy groups about that there's a lot of times right now that it'd be really helpful for people to hear from a leader that, hey, I'm just, I'm sad today. And I think that's really useful for people to hear of like, yeah, you know, leaders are people too. They're they're human. And I think most of us want to be led by someone who is transparent and real and doesn't try to pretend like they're not facing struggles and difficulty too. So I think that that's that's the point that I try to make that decision. And and that said, I'm I'm also always trying to bias toward movement on things. So that might mean in some cases listening. That might mean in some cases innovating. That might be being directive in some cases right now. I'm always trying to think of like, am I in control of my emotions? And if I am, is this emotion going to help out others to navigate this situation? And if it is, then that's something that I might choose to share. I tend to really try to think about who my anger or fear or sadness is on behalf of. And if it's something that only relates to me, if it's, I think we have mentioned on prior episodes about our journey as a family through infertility. And most of the time, that was kind of a private type of grieving. That doesn't mean we never talked about it. But when we talked about it, when I chose to talk about it, I would try to have it just in terms of sharing a a lesson of some kind, you know, whether it's a lesson in leadership or if I'm bringing that into the classroom, it definitely better connect with something that we're talking about that day. If it were a leadership or management class, that kind of thing, or talking about personal productivity, et cetera, et cetera. So I want it to be on behalf of others. If it's not, it's generally not going to be that helpful if you're looking to a leader and hoping to have someone that can give you some perspective. It's not going to be helpful if they're kind of spinning off in their own direction of grief or their own direction of sadness that doesn't somehow, or fear, that doesn't somehow connect in with what the group as a whole is experiencing. So that's one of the things I tend to think about. Dave mentioned something very similar to this, but I want to think about what the goal is, which sounds really weird, but it's just like, where are you going to place that? Is this something I should be processing with my family? Is it something I should be processing with a therapist? And Dave, I know you've had someone on the show prior talking about the importance of therapy. People that are employees who report to you are not your therapists, and that's not a role we want to put them in. So there are places we we need to process this, but it's oftentimes not the case where that's going to be the best thing. That being said, I think authenticity is very powerful, and you just can really see when a leader's faking it, <laughs> not not really being able to be present to the moment that's that's emerging. And a lot of what's going on is fear. 
So if you can bring some wisdom about fear and what it does to us, I had mentioned, I wasn't leading this session, but someone in my workplace was leading a session about mental health. And there was a time for discussion. And I did share about, you know, when I have felt fearful and I can kind of feel it, start to feel that feeling in my stomach of just, oh my gosh. And and because this, this COVID-19, I mean, if you let your mind go pretty far, you're going to be in some very dark places. So then I talked about some of the approaches that I use, whether it's something as simple as deep breathing, or I'm a person who prays. So if it's prayer, deep breathing, and making sure I'm getting enough exercise. Anyway, I won't won't go down the whole path there. But the reason I shared about my fear was that my hope was just to say we're all susceptible to that right now. And there's kind of this healthy fear and a less than healthy fear. The healthy fears we can do something about, take action on it. So I tried to translate that into, okay, let's be washing our hands more, you know, making sure that we're following the experts' guidelines, et cetera. And if it's the kind of fear I can't do anything about, then, you know, I want to manage that in a different way. So those are a couple of things that that I think of. It's kind of mixing this authenticity, hoping to not have any of the narcissism mixed into it, where it becomes about us as leaders when really our role is to help those that are within our organizations that we lead to help them be able to be at their best, whatever that means in this very, very difficult time. You said something there, Bonnie, that I think is worth reinforcing. I do also think about what you said a lot as a coach and facilitator, and I find myself in that seat often these days. Is, is the story I'm about to tell about me, or is it a story that I'm telling with a purpose to help move other people forward? And if it's, like you said, just about me, that, that tends to be one I try to put away for another time. And if it's something that truly can help move other people forward, that may be the story that comes out that day. I was kind of chuckling to myself because Brene Brown addresses this in her Netflix special, which Dave, I'd love to have you link to oh, in the yeah. show notes, but I'm cracking up because I can't remember what it was she said. So she's talking about as leaders, vulnerability, and she has a, a life lesson that apparently I've completely forgotten, or maybe I just absorbed it so well that it's just a part of me now. It's possible. Could be. So it's. I need to go back and rewatch that because she tells some really funny, funny, silly stories that you can so relate to. She really emulates this in in that special of telling such powerful stories, but linking them to the broader themes and things that she wants to get across. Matt, I hope this is helpful to you in thinking how you navigate this going forward. We have our next question that came in by audio from Sayla. Hi, Dave. This is Sayla, and I have a question about coordinating within a team as well as across departments for urgent communication needs, especially in light of the pandemic and in my role as senior communication specialist at my organization. I have been updating basically every time the pandemic situation changes, which is, as we all know daily, I have been writing the communications that either go out via email or social or um, blogs, whatever it might be. And the information is basically coming from all directions. And I was just wondering if you have any suggestions for coordinating across departments and within one's own team, especially while working remotely. Thank you so much. And I have loved listening to the show, especially during this time. So appreciate everything you and Bonnie are doing. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Sayla. 
it's good to hear your voice. You didn't mention that we already all know each other. <laughs> we do know each other. But it's it's so nice to hear your voice. And I was smiling when I listened to your message just because there's so many similar challenges across the organizations that I work with and, and the one that you work for. I mean, this is just a really, really common set of challenges. This is, you know, like taking any any strengths or weaknesses in anything and just turning up the volume about a thousand percent. So it has just been quite a challenge. There are a few things that I would think of, some of which you probably are already doing, but a weakness that I find many organizations have is thinking that everything can be communicated over email and that people are just going to remember that. So with as fast as things are changing, you know, you send out an email and then be like, okay, well, we're done now. People are going to have completely absorbed that and it's fine. So of course we know email is often when the first thing goes out, but I prefer to have shorter emails that then link out somewhere on the web, whether that's something that's protected, if that could be a team site, that could be a portal. I mean, some somewhere where if it has to be private, it can be. If it doesn't have to be private, it can be sitting out there in the open. But just to have that email as an overview that then points out to other tools. I think one thing that is particularly helpful during this time is not just to communicate information, but also to be gathering stories. I have been thinking this entire time, not just about, okay, face masks, okay, social distancing, okay, let's call it physical distancing. I mean, learning a new set of vocabulary, thinking through essential employees or essential functions, et cetera. I mean, that part of it, but also what has been difficult to maintain in terms of culture and community. So thinking about ways that we can be doing that. I started what I consider to be a really silly name and turned out really resonated with people at my institution, something called Zoom, which is the web conferencing tool that we're using, Zoom and Bloom, and Bloom as in development in some way. And that Bloom could have been, whether it's, uh, a colleague of mine just gave a session about meal preparation in chaotic times and talked a little bit about meal prep. She actually gave the session from her kitchen. It was awesome. And then we've also had sessions that are about something having to do with technology or something having to do with I'm trying to even, oh, I, I actually decided to read a story from my childhood. It's called Hope for the Flowers. And I invited people to have people young and old join them. So if they wanted to have family members join them on that one, I encourage them. I'm not going to, there's no judgment around any distractions. We welcome distractions for this session. And I had our kids join us for that session as well. And it was just an opportunity to build some community. The work-life spillover is spilling over like never before. So what used to be like, oh, some people recharge on their drive home from work and nobody's driving home from work. They might be possibly walking down a flight of stairs, but that's probably the largest commutes most of us have at this point, unless we are in those essential functions where of course that changes the picture. But so I would be also thinking about community, about another thing would be collaboration. So if we're trying to coordinate these messages and that's all happening over email, 
oh, here's the attachment. Oh, here's another attachment. Oh, we revised it over here and 13 people have revised it and you don't actually know which one is the correct one. So we've got to get those things on a cloud platform like Teams and be teaching or re-educating or re-acculturating people to using those collaborative tools and creating some norms around them if there aren't already. I think it can be helpful to you to think about the kind of information that is being asked to convey. Is this information or is it a decision that's been made? And if it's a decision, are there actions that people have to take? Do they have to change how they're doing things? Another possible thing that could be going on, it sounded like it might be a little bit with you, is getting a lot of different information from a lot of different places. And I've been really working toward, in my organization, influencing us to think of ourselves not just as creators of content, oh, there's a new policy, oh, we've changed how we're doing this thing, but taking those pieces of information collecting them together, shrinking them down, by the way. So if it has to be longer, link to a web thing and have the shorter piece in the email. But can they get five related bullets in a single email? Do they all have to do with when we're coming back to work, if we're coming back to work? Or do they all have to do with a new way of tracking something or whatever? Can can we be sending fewer messages that contain multiple items in them that are somehow related. So those are a few thoughts for you. I am sure you already know this, but we've just got to take the lesson home over and over again. We must be over communicating. Just because we sent out the information about face masks, for example, that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. And we need to keep, keep going. And we also need to be communicating about what we don't know. We know many of you have been asking questions about this. We don't know yet. No decisions have been made, but we recognize this is a stressor for you and you're, you're looking for that information as soon as we're able to provide it to you. Sayla, two additional thoughts. Most organizations that do have a discipline process for communication and have thought through that have some sort of policy procedure, understanding expectations about what's going to be sent out, who needs to be involved. So you don't have a situation where you've got seven or eight people all deciding on messaging for the organization and everyone's kind of sending their own emails. So to the extent that you have or have not done that, I think that's a helpful conversation to have. If there isn't already a framework for that, of creating a framework for what does that look like? Who needs to be in the loop when we decide we're going to send out a organization-wide communication? Who's going to sign off on those things? And if there is that policy in place, which I'm guessing there probably is in your organization, how does that policy need to be adapted right now? Because communication is different and it's going to be different for a little while. So that's helpful too. And then the thing I'd add on to what Bonnie said is, what's the purpose of each message that goes out? So those messages that go out once a week that summarize everything that has happened that week and it's got you know links to other things, that's a super valuable thing in a lot of organizations to have The purpose of this message is to have a one thing you can read for this week if you missed all the other communications. And you might also decide that you have other messaging that goes out that is very specific on one purpose. And maybe there is a message that just goes out on face masks. And then it gets into the digest later on in the week for, you know, catching up on everything. I do think there is a danger, especially at a time like this, and I have gotten a bunch of these, and many of you have too, of the email. We're going to put the email together that tries to do everything for everybody, and it is super long, and it's got a million graphics in it, and it is unbelievably complicated with tons and tons of links. 
And that is probably one component of a communication strategy. But also, there's the opportunity, I think, for us to just be really mindful about what's the purpose of this message, and can we get very purposeful about what we want people to take away when they read this, and is there the opportunity to maybe zero in on a very specific topic in other ways as well, too. So I hope that's helpful to you, Sayla, in thinking about some ways that you might consider communication strategy going forward, especially during this time of change. Our next question is from Amber. I'm reaching out because I have a manager who isn't staying calm about the COVID situation, and it seems to be affecting his team. They are panicked and not wanting to come to work. We're a veterinary facility, so considered essential, and following all the CDC guidelines to keep our teams safe. Do you have any episodes that would be helpful? His biggest struggle is that we aren't being clear about our expectations, which we are trying to be, but with all the changes and unknowns, it's very difficult for us to make things black and white. Thanks in advance. Amber, thanks for the question. And I'm, I know Amber as well. And Amber, I know the kind of people that you bring on to your teams and the wonderful work that you do. And so I know that the person who you're likely talking about cares a lot and is not trying to cause trouble, but genuinely is concerned and wants to do well by the organization and by their people. So a few thoughts. One of them would be, what's the bigger picture of what's happening? And I think that this is another thing that can get lost in the midst of crisis management, in the midst of all the messaging and all the policies and procedures and everything that we should be doing as organizations, of course, is the bigger why. And you've heard that on the show here in the last few weeks of just you know my why and our why for why we're doing what we're doing now. And I think that that's really important to be explicit about right now. And I think about the work of Simon Sinek and start with why. What's the bigger purpose behind why we're doing this? Let's frame this around how we're here to care for animals and care for families right now and keeping people healthy. And those are the kinds of things that maybe in normal situations are apparent, although I'd argue we should still be very apparent about what's the why behind what we're doing. But especially now, I don't think we can overdo that at all of here's the bigger, nobler why behind why we're all here. The big thing that we can all agree on and that motivates us all to do this work. And in your case, to care for animals and to serve them so well and care for the people who care for them. And that is huge of framing that and and probably over-communicating that. Speaking of communication, over-communicating the why. Why are we doing this, right? And so that's one piece of it. The other piece, and you mentioned expectations changing, things are going to change right now. And I think it's also helpful for us to say out loud to people, here's the expectations right now. Here's the policies and the procedures today. Tomorrow, they might be different. Next week, they may be different. And just setting the expectation, because if it if the last few weeks is any indication, things are going to continue to change. And you mentioned CDC, the Center for Disease Control here in the United States. They have changed their policies in recent weeks and changed their direction as information has changed. Rightfully so, right? And so in a situation where that's very dynamic and things are changing constantly, there's going to be new expectations. There's going to be new policies and procedures in the coming weeks for almost all of us in our organizations. And so I think just saying that out loud, even though people sort of know that, if they hear us saying that, hey, here's the policy today and tomorrow this may change. It may be different, but for today, here's what we're going to do. And that way, when things do change, when we do need to be flexible, yes, it's still hard. Yes, it's still complicated. Yes, it's still stressful. And it's not completely unexpected. The other place 
that you may want to go with this manager is helping them to see a little bit more on the impact on their behavior. And I love the lesson from the Difficult Conversations book from years ago that intent does not equal impact. This person almost certainly intends well, but they're not realizing because of some of the things they're saying, their behaviors, the impact that they're having on other people in the organization. And back to the accountability dial that we talked about a few episodes ago with Jonathan Raymond, one of the things that he's really brilliant on encouraging leaders to do is help people to see the connections. So when you're having conversations around what's going on and what's maybe not working, of help them to see not only the behavior and the intent, but also the impact behind that. Because you said this in this meeting and this the other day, and oh, by the way, we had a conversation about this a week and a half ago. Here's what's happening in the organization, and here's what people are doing and saying because of those actions you've taken. And oftentimes, people don't see that, or at least they don't see it as clearly until someone else is able to help them see the impact of that. And if you can talk in terms of the impact, that will probably help to reframe the situation a bit. And again, getting back to that nobler motive, the bigger picture, and then you can have a more productive conversation about what communication looks like, what conversations look like going forward. You mentioned staying current on what the CDC guidelines are. I am sure you're probably also consulting other organizations such as the EEOC. For those of you who aren't familiar with that organization, that's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. There are lots of organizations, there are probably county organizations that you're listening to, there are state organizations, and then there's the federal organizations. I mean, this is a complex set of information that's flying at those of us that are trying to stay up to date. It might be helpful to communicate the sources that you are listening to and then distilling down those practices that are affecting the business. That might help. It has certainly brought me comfort just recognizing my organization and the kinds of experts that they're listening to. It's brought my fear down a little bit. It may help in this particular case. And I would just be overemphasizing that, that, you know, this is what we're listening to. This is the information we're getting. And also opening the doors for what suggestions people may have. This is what we're doing to try to keep us safe. Please let us know if there's something that you see that makes you feel unsafe that you think we could change to help make us even that much more safe. The opportunity for someone to have a voice during this time and express those things in an open way, I think will be helpful to them. It's such a hard situation. I have just been struck at the differences that people can perceive this. I work with some people that are like, what's the problem? I, there's just no, no fear at all. And then I'm going to just say, because this story, by the way, Dave, does fit with the conversations. Let's just say I've been a little fearful, a little fearful. I'm more on the fearful side about what it would look like for me to get this or for someone that I know and love and care about and just how quickly it spreads. So it, I definitely fall on the fear side, can relate to it and feel very empathetic to it. So I think those have felt comforting to me, knowing that the organization is really looking to a lot of experts for what's going to keep us safe. And then also having the opportunity to really speak into the process as well. If you'd like to dive in more on some of these topics, several related episodes I'd recommend. One of them is episode 223, Start With Why from Simon Sinek. We mentioned the concept of why during this conversation, thinking about the big picture, the nobler motive for why we're doing what we're doing. Episode 223 is a great inspiration 
for that. And of course, Simon is the leading expert on how to really start with why, not only the philosophy behind it, but also some practical actions to do that well. Also recommended as episode 438, we mentioned therapy during this conversation. What to do with your feelings was the topic of that episode. Lori Gottlieb, who is a therapist, really talked us through some of the strategies for how we do that. Also, when we may engage a therapist. Of course, as leaders and managers, we are not therapists, and we should not be in that role. And Lori, in that conversation, helps us to navigate a bit of just, you know, when for ourselves, do we maybe need to seek out the assistance of someone else and also how we can potentially help others as a starting point for that. Again, that's episode 438. I'd also recommend how to balance care and accountability when leading virtually. That was the recent episode with Jonathan Raymond, number 464. We talked about some of the key strategies for helping not only balance care of people, but also accountability. I mentioned the importance in the question from Amber about thinking about impact that people are making. Sometimes that's hard for us to see when we're the person that is causing that, even if we don't intend it. Episode 464 goes through a key framework for doing that through Jonathan's accountability dial. So check that out if that'd be helpful to you on keeping people accountable in this virtual world right now. And then finally, of course, the recent episode with Susan Gerke, How to Lead a Virtual Team. So many resources on that in episode 465 on what we can be doing right now to lead more effective virtually. All of those episodes, of course, you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. All of our episodes since 2011 are searchable by topic. This episode will be tagged under a number of areas, including COVID-19. There is now a tag for that on the website. So if you're looking for additional resources that will support you and your team in helping to navigate this time, uh, certainly check that out. You can set up a free membership by going over to coachingforleaders.com. And in about 15 seconds, you can be up and running on full access to our library, all of the topics, the member casts, all of my book notes that I highlight from guests who come on the show, uh, the full access to my own personal library as well. One of the things I've been doing as a regular practice over the last almost five years now is anytime I find an article, another podcast episode, anything that'd be useful to others, I tag it inside my personal library and database it, and all of that's searchable for you for free inside the member portal. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com. It's a great starting point if you're looking for a good article or resource for your team on a specific topic, even if it's not something we're currently talking about on the show. Good luck. Have a wonderful week and see you next Monday for our next conversation. Take care.